1: What's up, y'all? I'm Amanda Seals, and listen, I get it. We're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comic. She had them jokes. I mean, you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special. Ivy. Ivy, Ivy. You forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments. Okay, polka dots! <laughs> and shade to how white women move in corporate America. Stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these guys I get it we've been pooped up for a long time that's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again comedy tour is coming to a city near you go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together how black am I gonna have to get
0: a podcast network
1: that I think about all the time
0: Mm. (laughs) Tim corrected me said it's Epstein
1: um I said
0: Epstein and he said Epstein
1: yeah I second guess every every word someone I got criticized for saying Nietzsche
0: and now I'm like I don't know what anything is what's what's if it's not Nietzsche what is it it's like Nusha
1: or something Nusha
0: (laughs) something Nusha no one in my life has ever said Nusha. I've never heard <laughs> anyone say Nusha. Uh, and I know I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I feel like I pay attention when I hear other people yeah, talk. Yeah, like I got it.
1: Nietzsche from people saying Nietzsche. It's because I'll say I don't know. I've only read this word, so I don't know how it's pronounced. Because most of my vocabulary is just words I've heard other people use. You know, I didn't pay attention in school or whatever, and uh, I heard someone saying. Oh, Who was that? It might have been Tom Goss. It was someone in my car. Oh, no, it was Kate. Someone in my car that talking about Nietzsche for a while. And then I was like, what is that word that you're saying? And then he said, you know, the guy that you're talking about. And I was like, is, am I the one saying that wrong? Or are you the one saying that wrong? And then he was like, oh, I don't know. And then I did the. Which rea- is a
0: nice, which is a I like when people are just like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I thought it was very nice, too. I think he knew, but um, then I went on the Reality Transurfing podcast and said it, and then I saw somebody say in that uh, that he lost respect for me as soon as I said it, and I was like, well, you should stop. Do not follow my work, (laughs) because (laughs) it is is like 30% mispronouncing words. Also, I can't imagine how difficult life must be for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But like, that's what... Lost respect.
1: Yeah. Also, it's funny that Listen, I'm only
0: saying Nusha from now on.
1: (laughs) Well, hold on. I'll get it pronounced. Frederick Nietzsche. 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 Nietzsche.
0: Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Okay, that's... What was
1: I saying before? Nusha? Nusha. (laughs)
0: Listen, I didn't have any respect to lose for you so <laughs> you're good you're good here
1: i think it's funny though that he said that on bootsy greenwood's podcast because uh, uh bootsy greenwood owen hunt is the one who did he remember when i was we were listening to the youtube versions of reality transurfing and this guy had just like read them on his youtube that's yeah. him but he also did uh toofty the priestess And he pronounced, it's Tufta, I think, which is weird because it's definitely an I. Uh, And he pronounced it wrong in the entire book. Like, he read the entire book. Her name is in it constantly. And he pronounced her name wrong the whole time. So I'm like, uh, I would think if you're listening to Owen's podcast, you're into this sort of thing. You're
0: into mispronunciation, man.
1: Yeah. But I'm sorry
0: I ruined it for you. Oh. Uh yeah, I mean, most of us lost respect for Jessa <laughs> way before that. What did it for you? Way before that. I lean back in my chair. <laughs> Let me, I like, I stroke my chin as a as a, warpy, a thought bubble appears. And I'm like, whoa. By the
1: time I put on my deodorant when the Starbucks guy wasn't looking and then he went to hand me my drinks and I was putting on my deodorant.
0: Yeah that she
1: was, was like I can see you <laughs> <laughs> If you put a Mormon and
0: a moth together this is what they sound like Aaron would all and just a readar and listen to them talking to Mike I've seen you get lost <laughs> <laughs> standing underneath a sign saying <laughs> <laughs> like you are here, <laughs> you need to turn left, and you're like what the fuck uh, I've I've seen you uh get a flat tire <laughs> by parking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> These are all just things from yesterday's driving. <laughs>
0: that's how far that's how far back my memory goes. I've uh, we went into a hotel, <laughs> checked in, like put our bags down, like stayed inside like for a while. and Then I went outside for a smoke or something and uh, you your car door, your driver's <laughs> side car doors just open. I had been for like an hour, just <laughs> open, lights are on inside the car. Uh, it's all good stuff. I you want Here's something dumb. This is the dumb, dumbest thing I've ever done. I'm at the Boy Scout, the national or international? I think it's the World Jam. I don't know. I don't think they call it international. The, the World Jamboree. I don't know it was like there's the, the boy scouts have a jamboree uh, i don't this is i've never thought about how funny this word <laughs> is until just now a jamboree we had jamboree at church well ours was better but there were definitely boy scouts from other parts of the world that's why anyway but like the jamboree happens once every 4 years and me and my my boy scout homeboy alex perez we were the only kids in troop 1660 that took scouting this seriously we were like we're going to the jamboree. So we had to join some other kids troop that was going. Anyway, we're going to the, the jamboree baby. And it's like this week long, maybe even longer than a week. Is it two weeks long? Shit. It was one of the coolest things that I had done. Uh, You're just like, I think he's somewhere in Virginia and uh, it's just boy scout shit. And then this huge giant open place. And there's like, like cool ass shit, like go karts to drive, and, like, BMX uh, courses to, r- like, do bike stunts and climb. you got to repel and learn how to climb walls and shoot uh, shotguns and rifles and bows and arrows. And uh, there's fireworks. The Dixie Chicks, I think, came to perform <laughs> for us or some what? shit. Uh, like, President George Bush, uh, like, w- uh, came and spoke to us. And, anyway, it's a bunch of cool stuff. Is this stuff. an annual thing? No, I think it's, like, every four years. Okay and uh so many weird memories from this thing um we flooded we flooded the jamboree like my my troop was personally responsible there was uh this like drainage tunnel thing underneath the road and when it started pouring rain which it did for a few days all the rain was coming into our campsite through this drainage uh tunnel and we were like you know 14 and problem solvers and we are like we need to fix our campsite so we stole hay bales from the bmx course and we uh walked them back down and we shoved them into (laughs) the that tunnel we just shoved all the hay bales into there and then like boom our campsite got no more water coming into it. And then the entire road flooded. The BMX course flooded. <laughs> like, everything got fucked up. We never got in trouble for it. We just acted like... Like, when people came around to fix it, they are like, what happened here? And we all just walked away. are like... Oh! Time to fill, fill the canteen! <laughs> oh, let's go! Anyway, there... We're porta potties everywhere at this place cuz you have like I don't know 10,000 I have no idea how many Holy boy shit. scouts are there. There's a lot of boy scouts and there's there's porta potties everywhere. Uh Dude, patch trading was like a cool nerdy thing that people would do. Like you trade patches and pins from different uh, states and countries and, and stuff. Oh, I didn't
1: know you were allowed to do that. I thought you had to earn those fucking things. There's
0: there's patch there are patches that you earn, but then there's like just like, you know, these are just fun decorative patches, right? Like gotcha. like your shoulder patch that has like your your troop number on it. Like ours had like this really it was like the I think the Jefferson Memorial at sunset was our shoulder patch. It looks pretty nice. So a lot of people want that. So then you trade that for like you know something from Japan or something from the seventies or whatever, is cool. So people would be out on the sides of the road with like blankets or neckerchiefs laid down and all their patches laid out. And people just it's kind of got this like street market vibe to it. You're just walking around looking at stuff, and uh, the porta potties are all right there and uh <laughs> some guy walked into a porta potty with like i don't know 50 feet of rope behind him <laughs> like it's like just tied to like his belts or something and it's just dragging behind him and he goes into the porta potty and so then the the rope is just like hang is just out there and so then i was i grabbed one end of it <laughs> and i would st- i stood uh, in like in like a, a pack of people looking at patches and I'm just like kind of hidden in the crowd you know and I, but I, and I've got my back towards like the rope but I'm looking over my shoulder and when p- kids come walking or running through <laughs> i i i yank on the rope and then th- they trip <laughs> so they trip they trip and fall but every time they trip and fall the dude in the porta potty <laughs> Is getting yanked. She's <laughs> like, what the? <laughs> I don't know who the kid in the porta potty is. I just, I he's, he's an anonymous scout on the end of a rope to me. That's all I know. But he's, you can hear him in there going, what the? F- what? Stop that. And so then me and another kid, then I guess we got bored of tripping people. Then we took this excess rope. <laughs> And we started running around the porta potty, <laughs> roping it up, just tying it up. And the kid, like, can hear what's happening. And he, you can hear him trying to finish up. <laughs> and like, and he starts, he starts pushing on the door. And we've already got like several ropes in. And he gets like the top half of his body like through the top of the door. And he's like, "Stop it! Stop it! Let me out!" And we're just like, "Yeah." And he like. <laughs> he had to crawl out over top of the rope and uh oh. and but uh, we were long gone. Anyway, that's not even, I'm on such a <laughs> tangent of, of Boy Scout memories, but the dumbest thing I did was a, was when I was inside of the porta potty and uh I had I had pooped, and had gone number 2. And afterwards, I realized there's no toilet paper in this porta potty. It's out. It's out and uh now I've got uh like a poopy butthole and <laughs> and nothing to do with it and i think okay i'll just you know you got to do it it's not fun <laughs> but like I use my hand and uh then i'll wash my hands right uh, uh, that seemed like the best thing for me they had uh hand sanitizer in like the porta potty uh yeah, because that's easier than you know oh having God. sinks and soap and stuff. <laughs> you see where this is going? So <laughs> I don't know something. I just I was very concerned about having like such a dirty little bum hole, and <laughs> and I thought like I'll put this ha- hand sanitizer. <laughs> I was like, I'll use you know, like that. If I can put a little bit of that on my hand first, and then wipe uh my butt with that that's gonna help clean away i just felt like it's like soap right it's like yeah. soap i don't know i'm 14 i don't know the science of hand sanitizer and um i it was like immediate i knew i had done something bad <laughs> like immediately i just put it i put the hand sanitizer and in my butt (laughs) and it was it was pain that i couldn't (laughs) i was and i and i couldn't (laughs) do anything about it now it's there and it's burning it's burning my asshole and i then i also couldn't tell anyone (laughs) about it (laughs) <laughs> this is the first time I've told anyone about it. <laughs> I wanted to tell someone, but I was like, I "Can't tell." Them I put a hand signed like that. My asshole's on fire. Can't do that.
1: Uh. Oh, my face hurts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. scout jamboree was awesome, man. We had cots. We had like red cots and like foot lockers. You had to bring a foot locker of all your stuff, and it felt very cool. I also remember the uh, worst part of Jamboree was um, before we went, we had to watch a video about being molested. Just, <laughs> oh,
1: Jesus.
0: Just in case it happens. <laughs> you got to know what to do. And the vi- I can still remember this video. We were in a church, not a Mormon church, but like whatever church this sc- other scout troop was associated with. We were in their church with all the other Boy Scouts and parents. And we're just like watching this movie. Uh, uh, about cr- like there was like three different scenarios that went through like Jesus. this uh like an uncle uh coming into the shower <laughs> and the kid being like hey i'm in the shower
1: <laughs> hand me the hand sanitizer
0: <laughs> and then um uh not like an older an burning. older say what
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> the worst one was like an older kid uh, was like hanging out with these younger kids and he was like, we should wrestle. And then he was like, you got to take your clothes off to wrestle. <laughs> and then they were like all in their underwear. And then there's just like, uh, then there's just like, all like whenever there's a kid saying like, Hey, I'm in the shower or whatever. It always cuts to like an exterior shot, you know, So you, yeah. know, you just hear this disembodied voice. So then it just cuts to like a shot of the out, the exterior of the house. And he's just like, Hey, that's my underwear. <laughs> and uh oh. then they're like you know the scout master gets up and he's like any questions <laughs> 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 a lot but none that i i don't feel like i can i can say out loud right now
1: did your dad go on that one with you
0: no he uh they showed because my parents we th- we lived in maryland so it's like a it was a short drive to the jamboree campsite you know at least yeah. opposed to like scouts that came from utah or california or something uh the Mormons were big into scouts. A year ago, they f- they ended their relationship with Boy Scouts of America. And now they do their own thing. Because
1: they're not being huge bigots anymore?
0: Yeah, something like that. It's just like, now girls can join and gays can join. And uh, so the Mormons was like, you know what? We'll just do our own thing. We'll do our own thing. I have no idea what their new thing is. Like, they also, we always had Boy Scouts and then also like, a a youth program like there was like for this not for the strength of youth what was it it was like some medal that you earned by doing your ironic priesthood booklet whatever so i assume it's something like that but anyway big deal uh mormons and boy scouts were and so at the jamboree the prophet actually came and uh, on sunday and we had church like service like on sunday like you would Boy Scouts could go to their religious services, and there was one for, like, every religion. You just went to that campsite. And the Mormon one, Thomas S. Monson, came. I guess he wasn't prophet yet, but Thomas S. Monson, uh, he was the next prophet. And he came and like did sacrament meeting with us, and like I, I think I helped pass the sacrament that day. Like I was one of the people that would pass, and we we're like you know it's raining, we're all out in a field in ponchos, and uh, it felt felt very cool to me. Anyway, my parents drove down, uh, so did so did Alex's parents I believe, and uh, they're like all in their nice Sunday clothes in just like a muddy field <laughs> <laughs> in the rain and we're all just in scout uniforms and ponchos and stuff. So he came down for that. A kid a, a Mormon kid got uh, a, got struck by lightning that year at what? jamboree. Yeah, and he lived. He he got brought back to life and so they were like share they were I remember them talking about that story in uh at church. What's weird. We had a newspaper
1: I wonder if he came back Mormon.
0: Yeah, he he did, man. They were like, uh, sh- like you know, priesthood blessing brought him back to life. And I remember him talking about like the 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 scout leader was like he was the kid was pushing a wheelbarrow, and the lightning hit the wheelbarrow and blasted the kid off. Oh of my it. god! Yeah, I mean I remember the leader who was like next to him, his watch stopped after the lightning hit the wheelbarrow or something. And uh, him talking, like holding up the watch and using that as an object lesson or something about this was the time that a kid died. I don't know. God hates wheelbarrows. Yeah, yeah. God was like, "Fuck that wheelbarrow." It was really. I'm just now remembering. Like, who was making the newspaper? There was a daily newspaper at the Jamboree because I remember we had the newspaper that was like talking about the kid who got struck by lightning. Like this little Boy Scout journalist, like riding in their little journalist tent. Boy Scouts is cool. I liked it. I would go to Boy Scout camp every summer. Uh, Just like regular camp would be gone for like a week, you know, in in Goshen, Goshen, Virginia. And uh, I loved I loved it. It was really, really weird. And really, I was not cool at all. in those. Like in my own ward, like my own troop at home, I was the loser. Because I probably liked Boy Scouts too much, and like everyone else, uh, was just there. Like we were supposed to come up with a troop cheer. Have I told you this? We yeah. Like, uh, uh, every at the flagpole every evening, we like like someone plays a bugle and we lower the flag, and then all the troops give their troop cheer and they say your troop name and you give a cheer and there's you know just like some dumb rhyme like eh, we're troop four twenty nine and we are always be right on time. Da, 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 da whatever your troop cheers and our troop was 1660 and the older boys uh you know were like our cheer they're gonna is we just say nine we just say nine that's it and they all laughed and knew that it was funny and i didn't know why it was funny (laughs) and and then we're standing at the flagpole and they're doing all these troop cheers and they're like we're through the air and by the sea we are troop 1993 you know, and then they're like, Troop sixteen sixty, and then we all go, Nine <laughs> <laughs> Because now I get the joke is sixty nine, right? The joke the joke was like, you know, these the sixteen year old boys knew what sixty nine was and they thought it was really funny. And they're like we'll just say sixteen sixty nine. And
1: how did how, you not get in trouble for that? Right.
0: How naive are like our Mormon Boy Scout leaders. Like, you
1: guys did that at the Jamboree? No, this oh. was this is
0: not Jamboree. This is a local Boy Scout camp. Okay. This was every, this was a yearly thing that we went to this Boy Scout camp. And like, why is Brother McClure and Brother Meredith just allowing this cheer <laughs> to take place? I don't know why, but they did. Uh it's it's strange. The like our Boy Scout leaders are just, you know, dads. They're just dads right. that got called to do it. I remember one of my vivid memories of Boy Scout camp is my dad came one year. I don't think he came a lot. but I know Oh, he, he wasn't like a leader or anything? Nah, but he came this one year. And I can just remember h- him sitting in a chair, eating, just taking bites out of... A raw potato, <laughs> not cutting it with a knife, and it's it's just it's just it's just a raw potato, like an apple, like an apple, and it's just <laughs> biting into it. That's violent. That's a violent act. That that uh, makes everyone uncomfortable. Like you know, you always it was very kind of validating because you think your dad is weird. You're, you think your dad – like, your dad does stuff all the time. They're like, what the – what the – but it's validating to have other adults yeah. be like, Steven, what the fuck? <laughs> Everyone's looking at him like, Stephen, what the f- – are you not in front of the kids? Stephen, are you all right? That's when I knew my dad was weird. <laughs> My dad's a farm boy, man. My dad's just like, like, there's other food, okay? This <laughs> You
1: guys weren't starving.
0: It's not, like, the food at, at scout camp's not great. We had to walk to the, what's it called, the commissary or whatever, and they'd yeah. give you your food for the night. And you would they would just be, like, in these tin uh, uh, pans, and you'd carry them back uh, to camp, and you'd eat them, you know? And they would not be good. And I remember one year. I don't know if it was. The, I don't know if it was the same year. They all kind of blend together. There's one year where we had like a food shortage, where they kept not giving us enough food, and we were like, there was too many of us for the amount of food that they were giving us. And uh, our scout leader was like, I had enough of this. Like, uh, you guys are giving us more food tonight. Give us some more fucking food. Uh, he didn't say fucking, but give it. You know, my boys. Yeah or hungry give us some more food and And it was the night no it was the night of like chili tacos something like it was whatever it was it was gross and no one wanted to eat it (laughs) and uh brother mcclure's like i am taking these pans back clean like they are i'm bringing these pans back empty so they can see that that's how much food that we need and we're all just like oh (laughs) (laughs) well can you just throw it out (laughs) and then take it back (laughs) But he made us eat all this stuff, and then everyone just shit. <laughs> everyone just farting and shitting. <laughs> it was, just, it was just disgusting.
1: I was gonna say, why chili?
0: It's just gross, gross. So it's not good food. But there would be like, you know, like they you'd get a lot of stuff for like breakfast where they'd give you just like fruit and and stuff. That anyway, like we found ways to live we got by right. there's plenty of, of good things and my dad's just like <laughs> oh shit we got some leftover potatoes no one, is no one eating this potato no one wants this potato oh damn <laughs> <laughs> just a half just a happy little farm boy just in the woods eating a potato just like just <laughs> happy he was just like he couldn't understand the commotion like what's all the hubbub if y'all don't like potatoes, just give them to me up. You don't have to watch me eat them. We're like, good grief. <laughs> same year, same year, because my dad's there. Um, a guy, Brother Proctor, who was cool. Brother Proctor was like this nice, like widowed man who just like helped boys get their Eagle Scouts. And, like, he helped me get go to Jamboree because I needed t- money to go to Jamboree. And he would just let me come over to his house and do yard work. And he would pay me too much money for the shit amount of work that I did. He was a cool guy. I like him a lot. And a lot of Boy Scout leaders I don't like. And, like, he he would just do Boy Scouts because he wanted to. You know, the other guys were there because the bishop told them to do it. Right. And they don't really truly want to be there. They would be, like, the ones on campouts where they would I remember that we had this one set of leaders whose wives uh, would make them their own food, and they would eat it in front of us while we ate like you know our dinty more uh, canned <laughs> beef stew or something, and uh, they would just be smug about it. I didn't like those guys that much, but Brother Proctor's cool. He shows up late in the week. He had work or something. He couldn't be there all week, so he comes in late in the week. My mom had sent along with him a care package. Like, she made brownies and cookies and stuff just for us. Like, sent a whole box, like, so the whole troop could eat brownies and cookies. And uh, I remember, uh, <laughs> um, oh shit, what's this guy's name? McMurray, Brother McMurray. He ate like half of the cookie and then just chucked the other half into the trees like he wasn't going to finish it and he just chucked it and I remember my dad being like, excuse me, (laughs) what the hell? What the hell Dave <laughs> Like what are you doing And we and, and my dad just gave him shit For like the rest of the week My dad never let it go Like at any turn my dad was bringing up How he threw away a cookie And he was like well you know I'd give you that But you'd probably just throw it into <laughs> the woods You know he would just say stuff like this all the time And I thought it was so funny That my dad Like could appreciate cookies So much but still Eat raw potatoes <laughs> like he did, so he does have a palate like he doesn't yeah. know like what good stuff is but he is just content to eat a I potato he salt i he salted the potato i shouldn't oh, say did. it's raw he had he had like a, a salt shaker imagine a man with with a half eaten potato like he's bitten off the top of the potato and he's just salting the top of it like and then taking another oh, bite wow. of it what a strange man my father
1: definitely a strange man
0: 5 p.m. emails from your boss, surprise visits from in-laws, missing soccer cleats. Lucky California knows it's easy to get thrown off schedule. Let us help you out with home delivery powered by Instacart. You can get groceries delivered in as fast as one hour, including fresh produce and fresh baked bakery items. Right now, you can save $10 when you spend $50 using promo code LUCKYCA10. Place your order at shop.luckysupermarkets.com. Lucky California, the golden state of eating.
1: I can't believe you put, I can't believe you put hand sanitizer on your asshole. (laughs) Imagine a man with an asshole just sprinkling hand sanitizer on it. Did it work?
0: I mean, (laughs) I could feel it working. I could feel 99.9% <laughs> of my asshole's germs being v- violently eradicated. So, yeah, it worked. Uh, it just depends, yeah, on what you consider working, <laughs> I guess. Are you willing to pay that price?
1: Did your butthole burn all night?
0: It burned for a while. I remember it burning for a while, but it subsided. It definitely didn't go all night, yeah. you know. Uh, you. S- you soak that up. Right. Yeah. you like really what I did with I I keistered hand sanitizer? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine what I, if I was just getting drunk off of hand sanitizer <laughs> in my butt.
1: Oh fuck. <sighs> did I ever tell the story of I was thinking about failures the other day. I was thinking about all my gigantic failures in life that have led to this, the small successes. Did I ever tell the story on the podcast of when I tried to do a mom tour? No. All right. Well, so first, in 2012, I was like, okay, I have to give two years to comedy. I have to give an honest effort to comedy. Otherwise, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And then I booked a bunch of stuff. I had a pretty solid game plan for getting out on the road. And then I got accidentally pregnant. So now I have two kids and one of them is very small so my game plan for just going out on tour is now kind of shot. Well, first I had to wait 2 years after that for pregnancy and postpartum depression to be finished.
0: Yes, we got that correct, Annie.
1: And then um I mean postpartum is my nickname for postpartum depression because We're on we are a very first name close. Basis. We yeah. are on a first name basis. Uh so now I had to be more strategic from Delaware I had to figure out a way to attempt to get famous and at this point it's like TV credits TV credits that's what they want they want you to have TV credits now it's they want you to have a million followers
0: a million followers and so Maybe I Maybe a podcast.
1: I uh I was trying to figure out how to get TV credits and so I had a friend who oh because my goal at the time once I had Lily was like okay I want to find a way to tour with my kids on the road I want to do stand-up on the road with my kids and a mutual friend uh, of this woman my friend Christine Levine was like oh I know a woman who wants to do a documentary about that and we should all do it together and so we got together and all started doing it together and me and this chick, we ended up becoming friends, but we're not each other's cup of tea. I also, back then, was, you know, full force Jessa move things forward. And this person had, like, I guess depression or whatever. But she would, like, check out of reality. And, and then Christine also didn't move very fast. And so for months, it was just a lot of, like, spinning wheels. And I had some money in the bank and some credit cards. And I was ready to just, like, push this thing forward. And Christine ends up dropping out or something, or we had money to put into it. And first we came up with the name Momsters. And Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. And then uh, Roseanne came out with a show called that. And so we had to do Roseanne, Roseanne a show called Momsters? Momsters for a minute and just long enough to fuck up our plan. So anyway, it, me and the, the the other woman, it wasn't easy for us to work together. It didn't go very well. It was like, okay, here's the date that this is supposed to be done. And then she wouldn't have it done and whatever. She's, who cares? Uh, we just weren't each other's cup of tea. Um, so we butt heads a lot. And then we're moving things along pretty well. I'm very good at making things look important on social media. So I ended up with a lot of people like following this project, whatever. And, uh, we had to do, we both were supposed to bring whatever, like 15 grand into the project. And then we had to do, uh, uh, a Kickstarter because she couldn't, she didn't have her money. And, uh, I ended up just putting my own money into the Kickstarter to get all the money back out. It was a mess. But anyway, during this process, this guy contacts me. Oh, fuck. I wanted to definitely name him by his name, and now I can't remember it. But this guy from Texas messages me and says, When you're coming through Texas, I would like to book you on some nights. And I was like, perfect. And then he was like... Um, Uh, I'm actually a producer, and I am really into this project. I would love to be a part of this project. If I could be the producer, I would... Now, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, people would say stuff to me. Like, he said things like, I could do it for points. And I was like uh well, let me talk to my partner about that and then I'm like googling what are points. I have no idea what I'm doing. I am just reading this uh
0: to the fullest. like you got a punch card or something that I'm gonna (laughs) fill out. What do you mean, man? Um, Do you mean percentage point? Like you want some percentage? Percentage
1: on the documentary. Because the premise was we go on tour, we have a film crew with us in a bus and the kid I have like cool pictures from the promo. Uh, We ended up naming it a Momination. And uh, which is all very dorky for now. But this was—it's better than monsters. Yeah.
0: This I like is... a momination.
1: And I think a momination was my name. And I had the design work done, which I loved. I did love uh, all the design work. My partner did not. Um, anyway, so I was already kind of like we were constantly bickering over shit. And then this guy comes along and I can't figure out an angle for he has nothing to gain right he has nothing to gain by being involved because all of the money he wants he wants at the end but he has a film crew and he has like all of these things i also have no fucking idea what i'm doing i am just like i know that i am good at creating things i just have to work and then cool adventures come now half of those good adventures just become uh, funny stories and nothing comes of it so I work my ass off tirelessly over the course of the next whatever 6 months to get this tour ready and um we put I end up having to put a bunch of my own money into the Kickstarter because nobody like a bunch of people gave money to me but like not very many people gave money to her and uh but a ton of people like we didn't make the numbers on the Kickstarter so I end up putting my own money in it otherwise you just lose a shit ton of money it was a mess and um, now it's time to buy plane tickets now this guy booked our entire tour, and as he was booking our tour, he was like checking the whole things tour, to me. Or just the Texas? whole tour, Texas. It was like it was the South, and so he would contact me and be like, "Do you? What do you think about this venue?" And we would have like long conversations about it and go back and forth, and then I would have to argue with her and whatever. Uh, she's fine, by the way. She just doesn't. We don't like, uh, you know, not the right personality types to work with each other. Okay. But the, in my head, like she was frustrating and he and I were working very well together and um, he wanted to bring this one film crew who was like some Christian production company or something and then they turned out to be terrible and so we went to Portland to do a show oh because the shows were like the storytelling show where like locals would tell stories and then I would headline at the end and she would host the shows were kind of cool Um, So we did our first in Portland, sold out before we even, like, got into town, and um, uh, I met a film crew there. I met Brett Roberts there, who did the video for our Kickstarter, and um, we end up... Firing the Christian production company that dude wanted to bring and hiring, hiring Brett Robertson. Anyway, so it comes time to buy plane tickets and hotel rooms and dude is supposed to reimburse me for this. So I buy $5,000 worth of plane tickets for like crew and us. And I don't know if that number's right. It was thousands and thousands of dollars. And then I, and luckily it was all Southwest. Luckily, thank God, Brett Roberts was a huge dick about it having to be uh, Southwest. This is when I found out that Southwest is like the only airline that gives you the credit for the uh-huh. flight you booked. Shout out Southwest. I love Southwest. I don't even look at any other flights. And so then I messaged dude for the reimbursement. I'm like, okay, I put out 5000 because he was supposed to put everything up. And he doesn't respond. And then I uh a couple of days goes by and he's still not responding. I also got Airbnbs, which I didn't give my money back for. And I put this entire thing together. Like he booked the shows and I did all the travel, all the all the other stuff, the the vehicles, the whole everything. Crew, everything. Everything was done. Everything was coordinated and ready to go. And we were maybe six weeks out.
0: Which you're good at. You which like I'm very this, good at. I this love this kind of
1: it. Stuff. Yeah. So I it would have been uh pretty fantastic uh thing and I was getting ready to like book the book the acts on the shows and stuff but he had all the venues the venues had been on my website for months and he stopped answering my calls and so I spent like a day crying of course because her and I don't get along you know she's like I told you he was a piece of shit because there was some like Uh, He had had a bad run in with Stanhope at some point. She's like, "I told you he was a piece of shit." But in my head, I felt like you don't help me with anything. Like I don't, you know, uh, I didn't like love him as a person. But you know, he answered my phone calls, (laughs) Uh and so uh, here's the thing about me and I, the shadow side of never giving up, because I just won't give up. I have a hard time. uh, I'll pivot. I'll be like, oh, this doesn't work, I'll go this way. Oh, this doesn't work, I'll go this way. But I I often will keep going after all of the signs have made themselves like I didn't want to deal with the idea of him being a scam artist because I wanted to make this work people already saw this I had a fucking kickstarter which was fucking humiliating for money that I didn't need because I brought my motherfucking money and so I like it couldn't fail like people could not see this fail because then I look like an idiot and so I just kept going and so I'm like well I don't need this fucking punk bitch I freaked out on him I was like I'm gonna hire a lawyer like whatever so then he blocks me on Facebook thinking that that's gonna delete our messages because I was like I have All your promises here in Messenger.
0: So did he ever respond? He never did respond. He blocked
1: me for a really long time. He unblocked me eventually.
0: Well, why were you contacting a lawyer?
1: I really should have, like, brought this memory up more in my mind before trying to tell the story on the podcast. So, okay. Here was the arrangement between us. The crew... Was like $5,000. The travel for the crew was like $5,000. We needed hotels. We had to pay for the vehicle. We had to pay for somebody to drive the vehicle. If I remember correctly, we had a bus with a bus driver. Sick. That was in the middle of being changed because there was something about how many people. We had to get a special permit or something. This is all shit that I was working on and trying to coordinate. And... We each were supposed to bring my partner and I were each supposed to bring $15,000. Some of these numbers might not be right, but they're pretty similar to each of us are supposed to bring $15,000 and we were going to pull this entire thing off for $30,000. Okay. She didn't have her half of the money. Um, she took the money out of a 401k or something. I don't remember what happened. I don't, I I remember being pretty frustrated with her at the time, but like a lot of time has passed and I have a hard time staying mad or whatever. So I don't, I don't know at the time it, it, it felt like me versus her. And then this person comes along who has money and is like, I will put up half
0: Because we got a little bit producer guy from Texas.
1: Yeah, we got a little bit. I think we got like six thousand from the Kickstarter, and then this producer comes along and he wants a pretty big chunk of the back end, the points. Points, but for me, I'm like, who gives a shit? I'm doing this to get a TV credit. Like this is what this is in my head. I'm like, I have to get a TV credit, and I can't move to LA. My husband won't let me move to LA. So this is how I'm going to make my own TV credit is the mission that I'm on at the time. So I couldn't figure out because something did come out where she, cause she hated him. And she was like, he's a scam artist. I talked to someone who didn't like him, but the dynamic between her and I was, it felt like she just wasn't, we just weren't each other's deal. Right. So I would be like, okay, she wanted to write everything. I think she thought I was an idiot. So she wanted to be the person that wrote everything. So she write, wanted to write all the copy for the website. And I'm like, okay, well then the website needs to go up by next Thursday. And then she wouldn't write the copy, wouldn't write the copy, wouldn't write the copy, wouldn't answer my emails, wouldn't answer my calls. And then I'm like, okay, the thing launches on Thursday. So then I write the copy. I put it up in the next day. She's like, I don't like this at all.
0: This was like oh, so your phone does work. Yeah, what the exactly.
1: Hell? And so then uh, I do feel kind of guilty because I remember her saying like that she was depressed. And back then I didn't have a ton of patience for other people's mental health stuff. Uh, also, it just felt like a cop out. But my issue was if you are not able to do your job and I do it for you, I don't want you to come back and criticize what I did. You know? Yeah. And then there were a lot of things. Some people who have like a fear of success or a fear of failure, they do a lot of like circular shit just for the sake of being circular. And I think I projected some of my experiences with this person onto you before where um, some things just need to be done. They just need to get done. And so I had the, the logo made and I loved it. And she was like, I just want the square to be smaller. And I was like, well, I'm paying this guy by the hour. I was paying him 50 bucks an hour, a hundred bucks an hour or something. So I think it's perfect. I don't think we need to be nitpicky about it. And she was like, well, why are we paying him $50 an hour? I have a friend who does graphic design and we could do that. And I'm like, well, it's already made. First of all, second of all, I like to pay people to do their jobs so that we can give them a deadline. This entire thing we're trying to pull off in six months, by the way. So it's like we are trying to plan coordinate a a huge comedy thing with kids and everything else and a camera crew and stuff like in six months time we don't have time to spend weeks waiting for your homeboy to design a fucking thing and so now but the the needing to to shrink the thing felt very petty and like I didn't you know it was a lot of this we just energetically were a terrible match but there were lots of Like, putting me in a position to have to ask for something over and over again, and then doing it myself, and then, like, never once being like, hey, I had a rough day, thank you for picking up the slack on that, it was always like, I don't like this at all, like, I don't like the way that you write, and I hated the way that she wrote, I hated it, Uh, but um super wordy tons of exclamation points anyone that knows me i'm very weird about exclamation points exclamation points i would like to be wiped out of our entire like they are only to let people know that you are not mad in emails that's it like that is the entire i hate exclamation points anyway um i uh was fight- you're getting
0: so worked up on this that I, I asked a question about the producer and then <laughs> And now and now you're just attacking different parts of punctuation. (laughs) You're just like, and another thing, semicolons can suck a dick. Who needs you? Be a comma or be a colon. Get the fuck out of here.
1: It's all coming back to me now because I'm remembering why. So she she's like, I hung out with somebody and they told me that he's a scam artist. And I was like, uh, yeah, I read some stuff about him on the Internet.
0: And what? You had read stuff about him scamming? Yeah, people I had the Googled
1: him to see if he was really a big deal. He was a producer who Doug Stanhope had had a, uh, a run in with. And I was very strategic the entire time I dealt with him to make sure that he didn't get anything out of us. He was kind of the guy to, like, take your money or whatever. So I had set the entire arrangement up to where he couldn't take any money from us, I was taking money from him. And so I thought I had us protected. I didn't realize he was a scam artist just for shits and gigs. Like I didn't (laughs) know that he's just mentally ill
0: of the scam, baby.
1: So uh, but when she confronted me about it, it just felt like another fear of I'm assuming fear. Like she just didn't like me. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was just like another roadblock. I'm like, every time I talk to you on the phone, what do you want me to do now? Because you don't book gigs. You don't do any work. I can't put this entire thing together myself. This person came along. They want to put up the money. We also can't do it because you don't have your money. Like, this person is willing to do the things that you're not doing. I don't know what you want me to do. She would do things, but they were like not things that would further the project at all. She put hours and hours and hours and hours into something that didn't get anything
0: done. And so. Can I ask this? How are y'all's jokes? Like, the, all this is supposed to be, you're going to film your your, your jokes. Are, and uh, are you getting out and working on your uh, material at all? I feel like you've, uh, like, for either of you. What are your, like, and she lives in a different state than she you? She
1: lives in a different state. No, we spent no time on the comedy part. We did, <laughs> we did two shows. They both sold out, and the shows were phenomenal. Oh, okay. The shows were, she hosted, so she did fucking, whatever, five or ten up front. And then locals would come tell stories of like the worst thing that ever happened to them or something. Like, but, oh, they were mom stories. Yeah. Uh, LaShonda Lester, uh, that's where I met her, got up and told the story about her son being special needs. It was fucking beautiful. And so it was like five mom stories. And then I would get up and do my mom set, which I had, you know, like just written that crushed. It was fucking crushed. Like, uh, you know, my mom jokes that kill. So yeah. I was working, I was headlining. At the time, doing you know my normal four shows a year, just killing it, you know. <laughs> that part was not no. I didn't have time to do that.
0: But <laughs> so I was thinking, I was like, this is a full time job just uh, producing this thing.
1: The majority of the the documentary itself was going to focus on the trying to juggle this career and kids and stuff there wasn't going to be a ton about the shows but i had to coordinate babysitters and you know
0: okay so the document it's it's less about
1: it's about taking your kids on the road yeah
0: okay so you're not showing a ton of the jokes. no
1: it wasn't like a comedy special no gotcha. so um but then yeah the the shows themselves were this like Uh, we haven't gotten to the shows too much. The venues were booked. You could buy tickets, I think on the website, but we didn't, we hadn't like booked all the storytellers yet. Like I was trying to get to that point and we're like a couple months out and I am, and she wants to fire him. And I'm like, then we have no shows, but like, I just like, to me, I was just like, uh, you know, you don't do anything. You don't do any work. I need a partner that does fucking work. And it just felt like she was, you know, just trying to pull a, a loose string as usual. And uh, then I buy the tickets and I I I plan the travel and I get the Airbnbs and the hotel rooms and I rent the ve- the vehicles and stuff and a ton of this stuff I can't get money back for. And I'm like, hey, uh, Rob was his name. I'll figure out his last name. Hey, Rob, I need the you know, I, I was sending him receipts. So I think at this point I'm like $8,000 first it was $5,000 and he was like, okay, I'll get that to you a little bit later today. And then next it was $8,000 and, uh, these are he, receipts
0: for booking like the cars and the, the travel travel for, the for all
1: of it. Cause we we're bringing a crew from Portland right. and you know, I also don't like I'm reading articles and books and stuff. Like I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I'm teaching myself as I go. And, um, he stops responding to me and then I start to get freaked out. And then I start like, like panicking, messaging him. Like I'm going to contact a lawyer or whatever. Like you, I have it in writing that you would reimburse me for this stuff. And he doesn't respond. And I'm like, okay, he must not have the money. Like that must be what the issue is, is he doesn't actually have the money up front, which I'd already dealt with that with her. So I was like, okay, it's fine. Fuck him. Uh, I had like two days. It's funny. Uh, my Facebook post from those two days because I didn't really get sad ever back then and so you see these two days where I'm suddenly very sad on Facebook my kids have like a piece of cheese and a hot dog on a plate and I was like that my kids dinner is a visual representation of where I'm at right now and um I uh I tell her of course she loves it right she's just like I knew I told you and I'm like yeah uh once again I uh thank you uh it's my money that's gone but yeah. cool and so i'm like fuck it i don't need this piece of shit and so i'm like i'll just contact these venues i don't care if they are his connection and i will just uh be like hey we're the act that's booked here whatever and um i contact the first
0: because um, he had set up what the whole tour yeah this whole thing through the south yeah i think it was How like 10 states? cities ten? So it was like 10 cities 10 cities okay
1: um it, like, the whole thing was supposed to be two weeks that we're out on the road. Okay. And I contact Tucson, Arizona first. And I was like, hey, Gary, uh, this is Jessa Reed. I am, you know, part of this abomination show that's going to be here on Sunday, whatever. And he was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <gasps> and I was oh, like. Oh, shit. Uh it hadn't for a second occurred to me I, I had long in-depth conversations where he was like they said that they'll paper the room the only one that was actually booked was the Houston uh, whatever that Houston club that we did because the owner of that was already a fan of my Facebook stuff and asked if they could be a part of the tour nothing else was booked none of these and rooms did you had book ever that heard yourself, of
0: us or did Rob book like did Rob take care of booking like that Ken
1: Houston Reed club? had messaged me it was like my wife is a huge fan of yours we would like to be on that tour and then i referred him to rob and he dealt with rob the rest of the time
0: so rob did this one thing he
1: did this one thing i don't but we had like long in-depth conversations where he was like listen tucson won't give you they want to do a door deal (laughs) and it's only if this and they get to have their own opener and they blah 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 he
0: had never spoke to them he had
1: never spoken to any of them so he's just crazy he's just insane so now we are six weeks out. There is uh, no venues booked. And I could pull this off now with a podcast and, it, and a this is not happening credit. I bet I could pull it off. But at the time I was a fucking nobody. And uh, now I'm like, you know, whatever half a notch above a nobody is. But I, I could yeah. I have more of a skill set. But I didn't. I didn't know what to do, but I was still going to do it. I was like, I don't care. I'll rent fire halls. You know, we'll we'll pull this off still. And then she has a lawyer draft up a cease and desist or a disillusion agreement. Uh, including that I could. For you? Yeah. In, yeah.
0: Wait, why is she? Now she's done?
1: Yeah, she's done. And she also wants to make sure that I don't carry out this idea with someone else. And so she has like text messages from the beginning. This whole thing started because I told Christine Levine that I wanted to take my kids on the road. Uh, like the entire like that my dream comedy career would be touring and homeschooling my kids on the road. And um now this person is saying that it's their idea and they're going to do it with somebody else. And I I was like, uh uh, I bought all these plane tickets for this camera crew, this like crew I never ended up using. I, oh, I had bought, I had given Brett Roberts like $4,000 for a camera because it would, it would be so expensive to rent the camera that he was like, I actually want to buy this camera. If you just want to split the camera with me, then, you know, so he got a, ca- so that's tight. I love Brett, so it's fine. Um, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and then she sends me a disillusion agreement because for a second I was like I'll just take a different comic who like you know uh works or whatever and then um she sent me this thing from a lawyer that like whatever it was not legit but I was like okay but then I was humiliated because people donated money that I didn't need by the way uh to this kickstarter so then I personally called and Every single person that donated money on my back, I went through this list of people. Was there were six thousand dollars in donations that weren't just me putting my own money in. And I went through this entire list. I was so sad. Like now, I look back and I was like, I was so sad. But I was just doing that Jessa thing where I just stare forward and just like keep moving. And I uh, made such a big deal about this on social media. Like every most people think the tour happened because it was such a big deal, and then I just got quiet about it. But I went through and I uh, contacted every single person, found out if they were on like my, they donated because of me or donated because of her. And if they, I sent out a letter to everybody and was like, if you donated to me, like I've contacted you, if you donated to her, I sent you her money. Uh, I sent her your money and she, you know, you can talk to her. And, uh, I offered a refund to every single person that gave money to me, which most of that, like a ton of that money went to fees. I ate the fees. I didn't take any of the fees out of the money I sent her. Uh, fees, what do you mean? To the fees uh, so what? like Kickstarter keeps a certain percentage of the money. So it was like okay. a, f- it was like a $16,000 Kickstarter. I think like, uh. $10,000 of that was my own money. I don't know, These numbers are probably off, but like $10,000 of that was my own money. I put in at the end because the fees are huge. If you don't make your thing. And then, um, I, uh, uh, so when there were 6,000 that was, we got, you know, let's say 2000 of that or some some insane amount goes to fees. And so, um, I gave her the full amount that she got in donations without taking out any fees and I just ate that balance and I offered everyone a refund. I think maybe one person asked for a refund, but the rest of the people, I was like, I'm going to repurpose this and go do a different project. And so most people were like, um, you know, go, you know, do you, we just did it cause we like you, whatever. And then I started getting nasty emails like the next year from people who were like, I never received my money back. I never was contacted. I never got any merch that I was promised or whatever. And I was like, I, Uh, people from her side from her side yeah
0: Uh.
1: um and uh yeah it was like really ugly between her and i i didn't talk about it forever this is my first time talking about it it was really ugly between us for a long time and then you know i can't say mad so i just was like uh and it sucks because it's one of these situations where i like i know this person feels like they're a victim so you never went to houston I never went to
0: Houston. What are the pictures of you in front of the bus?
1: I flew out to where she lived and we did that photo shoot. I breastfed someone else's baby and we did one of the two <laughs> sold out shows that we had ever done.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, we did one in Portland. We did one there. We did so much work like leading up to this. So much press. There's like a, a, fun, like a, a, a radio interview of us talking about it like. Um, I did the thing where I'm like I'll make this be a thing and then I was just swimming upstream with this person and then the world's weirdest con artist like what did you stand to gain Jason was like I think he just wanted to he he's like. There's a way that you do things that seems like you have to be full of shit. He was like, you just have the you just have the capacity to just take things that don't make sense and make them into something that makes sense. But like from the outside, you seem like just one of these people that's full of shit. And he said, and this person was full of shit and they probably just thought, oh, we're going to have fun being full of shit together. And then you started buying plane tickets. And he was like, oh, fuck, this bitch is like serious, like she's seriously trying to pull this off and uh and then he had That's to jump interesting shit thought yeah
0: like yeah i just need a partner to so that we can play pretend yeah i just like to play pretend with people
1: yeah he was like yeah Ga- Jason's you know, like, Gadonson. you're like a mom from delaware like so i i repurposed a lot of it i lost all the plane ticket money it was just a donation to that crew but brett um a friend had a pilot that I thought was really cool. And so I went out to Portland and spent another 15 grand. So it was like $30,000 in the hole by the end of it to make a pilot. What which was the pilot called? Life is ass.
0: Life is ass. Um, And is this way, like the teeth that we see in the Mormon and the meth head photo shoots? Was are, made because oh, uh, I w-
1: played a tweaker in life is ass. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you've had it since then? Yeah. How did that pilot go? What was that It like?
1: was such a good... Uh, Brett called it film school, which it absolutely was. It was like, uh, or he says, cheaper than film school. And I learned how everything works. I had never been on a set before. I didn't know how to write a script before this. I didn't write the script, but like one day in, I was like, oh, this script doesn't work. And so I was like rewriting the script. I learned a lot about the making of television and the process. And then I learned a lot about the editing. And then I learned a lot about the, the selling it. And it was just, like, not good. The concept was very good. The jokes were good. But, like, nobody knew what they were doing. And so it was trash. But, you know, I'd already spent a bunch of that money anyway. And it was a great learning experience. But those, that altogether was almost the full two years of me trying to figure out where I was like give me two years and I will figure out how to make it in comedy from Delaware and it was just loss after loss after loss after loss and by February of 2016 I had spent $30,000 of our money trying to figure out how to make it you know He could have just, like, let me move to fucking California, you know, and we would have bypassed a lot of this. I could have gone to some open mics. But I, by February, was like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm kind of out of ideas. I'm really never out of ideas. But I had never, like, let go. Like, I just wasn't letting go. I was like, I'm going to figure it out. And it was all just huge failures. And I... um. I think it was spring when I had seen the most recent copy of the final pilot and realized this isn't good enough to sell, you know, and then we talked a little bit about breaking it up into a proof of concepts or something and it just felt, some things in life just feel like these are things you're supposed to push forward and other things feel like this is a lesson, you know, this is something I needed to learn. And, uh, that's when Brett said to me, this was cheaper than film school. And I was like, that resonates, you know, I learned a lot from a place where I wouldn't have been able to learn it, you know? And I found a way to,
0: you mean Delaware? Yeah. Okay.
1: And just the lifestyle that I was in, you know, I left Portland right when everyone else started getting booked on Portlandia and, you know, all these other opportunities. Yep. I absolutely would You would have
0: been a great little character on Portlandia.
1: Yep. I left the, the summer of. And I just didn't. I don't know. I think this is a pretty good. Like a quality that I like about myself. I feel like so many qualities that I used to like about myself. I'm now like oh this sucks. This is a shitty quality. This is a defense mechanism. You know. I like that I don't. Spend a lot of time in regret even like this year, I feel like I lost a bunch of things I wanted and I don't really feel a ton of regret. I realized I spent a decade in a relationship that wasn't great and I don't feel a lot of regret. You know, I feel like I learned the things I was supposed to learn. I got things that I did want. The temptation to regret that is, is, uh, heavier than usual right now. But This particular thing at the time, you know, I had someone kind of critical in my ear that was enjoying pointing out my failures that I didn't really, yeah. yeah, what a saint he was for putting up with it, you know, um, but I just, I just remember the next like month of me being like, okay, so what is the narrative on this? What is the, what is the narrative? Did I just try and failed because I am actually bad Uh, Did I, am I never going to make it? Was, is this just going to be a funny story one day? Like nothing worked. My two years is almost up. I said I would go get a real estate license if I didn't figure out a way to make comedy happen.
0: Nice, man.
1: Is it just true that you have to live in LA or New York? Is that just the facts, you know? And I don't, my spouse refuses to move to one of those. So I'm just can't be a comedian do I have too many kids I just played with all these different things and kind of similarly to when I knew that this is not happening would come out but then it just I you know I tried to push it and I couldn't figure out a way to push it so I just let it sit I just let it sit and I wrote my first story, my first like long-form on-stage story. Because my comedy was always based on stories about my life, but it wasn't written in the, in the form of a story. And this had to be within three weeks of like realizing that Life is Ass was dead in the water. And I realized it before other people involved did. And uh, I did my first story. And the next day, Ari Shafir posted the thing about wanting more women. And people of color to submit to this is not happening, and so everyone who had seen me do that story messaged me, and that was the beginning of what would, in eighteen months, be me doing this is not happening. Um, and I flailed that. I fucked that up. I emailed the guy a million times, and none of them were a story <laughs> that would work. And uh, and then I just let that sit. And then my original thing was a was a a rejection email or uh him acknowledging a rejection email
0: him what do you mean uh yeah.
1: the, the first email i got from eric abrams was like hey i'm assuming you got my email uh i just wanted to say that there were a few people who although we uh it's a pass from us there are a few people who stood out and i think like you might But have you never story. got the email that said it's. A pass. i didn't get the pass no so had he not sent that you know um But I did not sent
0: email after email. And he's like, didn't this bitch get the rejection notice? Why doesn't she get it? And he doesn't remember saying that.
1: (laughs) He doesn't. Yeah, I love Eric. He doesn't remember saying that either. He's like, I don't remember sending you that email. He, uh, I think, just remembers me harassing him after that. But I've been thinking a lot about failure. Like, what is failure? Like, it's all just life experience, you know? And that one was so wild, but just an example of, I had no idea. I'm like, people make shows. I can make a show. How do you make a show? Google. Okay, Google. How do you make a show? How do you make a documentary? Like, it was going to be terrible. Like, it would have been terrible. I do think it would have been good because me and that chick would have fought the whole time. And I was positive. reality TV. (laughs) Yeah, I was positive we were going to argue the entire time cuz our entire dynamic was there was very little friendship at the bottom of this <laughs> just cuz we didn't know each other. Someone else connected us and we were not each other's deal at all. But uh I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Uh what is what is failure? What is success? I mean, you do have like success measured by fame and money and everything else, but then you look how unhappy a lot of people are that attain those things. So like, what, what is it? And
0: I think about that, you know, and I'm like, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing good emotional work and I, and that's, I should be happy with that. But then I, I, cause I, I, we know people who have things that I want and they are so sad. They're so sad, but I just think, fuck, I'd rather have, I'd rather have some success. Of like I, I feel like that would help assuage the sadness a bit, wouldn't it? If I was making this much money a week, I'd feel a little bit better about all my emotional problems that I'm working through. Why can't you all be happy with your success?
1: I think if it's outside of you, it's empty. And when you don't have it, you do at least have the hope. That you'll be able to get it, you know, like you're like, oh, there's a happiness over there. And then I think it is probably somewhat soul crushing to attain the happiness, uh, to attain the external things and then to have them not help.
0: I just feel like I I want some money, though. I would just like I I could even be sadder than I am right now. Like I don't have to be any happier and I could even go a little bit sadder. But if I just had money. God, it would feel so much better if I was just like, sometimes I think good God, I hope nothing ever happens to Ethan or me or when it, cause like right now, I think, you know, this is a pretty cheap kid so far, like I haven't spent that much money on him. And I think about like around the corner, something's going to happen and I'm going to be thousands of dollars. He's going to wreck me. And I'm like, oh. I should have gotten that real estate license. Oh, (laughs) damn it. I should have done it. That's funny that I have often thought about that as my backup as well. Just seems like such an easy thing to do. Like, yeah, just go get that license. And then you just like you have to memorize how many bathrooms are in a house. And that's it. You're just like, yep, there's three in this one. Do you like bathrooms? Only two and a half. But like the half is it's more of like two and three quarters. Honestly, it's a lot of bathrooms.
1: It's actually a crazy amount of math and then the hard part is finding clients. Crazy amount sort. of math? What's mm-hmm. the math? I don't know. To get the license, you have to be able to do some pretty complex math.
0: Complex math? I, I I feel like a real estate agent at the max, I mean like was what has to calculate interest. They're not doing any trigonometry. They're not having to memorize equations or anything like that. They don't they don't need the the theorems that Pythagoras has been searching for for <laughs> 10,000 years. It's just like it's just like <laughs> All right, this house was $429,000. My fee is 15% or whatever. I don't know. And then they have to calculate that. That's all they got to do. What's
1: the, what's the math? I don't know. Like, I, I, haven't, I, I sell, don't know my time tables. If I sell
0: tables. a $400,000 house and a $300,000 house, that's $700,000 in two houses. I could be, anybody could be a real estate agent. <laughs> anybody. Anybody. You
1: have to find clients, though, and that's a bitch.
0: Sure. Sure. That yeah, sure that's the hard part. But like I would crush i like so crush walking a around house. a house and pointing out rooms. This is a living room. <laughs> what you guys think? Hmm? Hmm? If you're getting crazy if you don't like as a living room, it could be a family room. You know? There's a lot of a lot of potential in this room right here. I think you know what? Could even be a den. If you really wanted it to be, we could make it into a den. Whatever you guys want. The sky is the limit.
1: I feel like there are, I hate my memory. I feel like there were giant, funny pieces of that Rob guy that I am not remembering right now. Like giant, funny, weird things he did.
0: He was just, <laughs> I just imagine him uh, like an Amy Sedaris character. Just like in living in a car. With a gigantic cell phone and just, like, giving you all this bullshit about. Uh, Yeah, so Memphis is, we're struggling with Memphis right now. We had one venue locked down, but then they flooded. So we're trying to switch to another venue right now. And uh, I'm in the middle of negotiations with two of them one of them is wanting way too much of the door but I think I can leverage the other venue against it and we're going to get the same deal that we wanted now uh you know he's just like done nothing he just yeah. has squirrels in his car <laughs> he just he just has a quorum of squirrels in his car that are eating like little little apple pies from 711 and he's just making up this whole other life and that gives him <laughs> satisfaction somehow. <laughs> he was just like, ah, yeah, hard day at work.
1: Yeah, he would like, okay, let me call you back. Let me see what I can do. And they call me back, and he's like, they're going to have to paper this room, but I think it would still be beneficial what for us. Yeah. Fa-
0: I think it's so... Uh, you could just do the work. Like, <laughs> <if> the <laughs> yeah. amount of effort that you put into faking it... How how hard would it be to just also, call somebody? When I
1: talked to the clubs, some of the clubs, some of them were like showcase rooms, right? That were like, dude, like I have Facebook friends with people to this day that when I contacted them, they were like, what? But then like Gary from the Tucson room, he knew this guy. He's like, I would have
0: let him book you, fucking Rob, Jesus, um.
1: Hmm. Squirrels in his car eating apple pies for seven <laughs> eleven.
0: I wonder how many other people he was booking tours for. Like was it just you, or did he go through his whole day just calling <laughs> up other people? <laughs> and they're just like, Listen, Anchorage isn't gonna work out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I know. I, know I we remember the night it. where I was traumatized. The first, like, I, God, it was a rough couple weeks. The realization that it was all falling apart, I took so hard. Um, and I remember just <laughs> pacing out in my driveway, and then me calling Brett Roberts and being like, "I got an idea. I got an idea. All right, it's a documentary. It's about a documentary about getting fucked over by bookers."
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, man! So there's this booker. That uh, has gone by multiple different names. He's like based out of Detroit or, or Minneapolis or something like that. There's a, they like did a news story about him at one point, but like uh, he he books comics nationwide for like shit gigs, and he'll like he has this huge email list and he emails people, and he like pretends to be two different people. Like he'll he'll uh send emails under one name and send emails under a different name, you know? It's for uh, pretending to be like, Oh, I work for it's like, oh hi, my name is uh is Montel, I work for Jason. But it's the same dude. It's the same guy uh sending out the emails, you know. And he'll book he's like, Hey, I need someone to uh feature in Des Moines for a hundred and fifty dollars, no hotel. <laughs> like no travel money, just a hundred and fifty dollars and um, I worked for him when I was new. Uh, yeah, I was like, a, you know, this is someone who, when you were struggling to find someone who will book you, right? There's a guy that will book you and you're like, okay, great. And then I, 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 went somewhere in Wyoming and I was just the feature. There was a headliner as well. And I drove to Wyoming. I think this did have a room in it and, but still, and it was like for like police officers and like some shitty banquet hall thing. And they made a comment to us, like both the headliner and me, about how grateful they were that we could make it on such short notice, which was weird to me because I was like, "I've had this book for a couple of months, yeah, you know, I don't think that's that short notice, but okay, But then when this news story broke about the guy, it was it turns out that he has this like all these comics had this same had a similar story, and it turns out. That he would book something with the with a company like so say a company's Google's like I want to book a comedian. His website comes up and he talks to them and he's just like, oh yeah, I can book you so and so. And then he would like promise you someone big. He would promise you like uh you know Gabriel Iglesias or something. You know we got Gabriel and he's gonna do it. And he would charge them you know a Gabriel Iglesias fee. You know something or I mean probably not enough for. Gabriel Iglesias, but you know, pick someone who fits, but he would charge him like several grand, five grand, and we'll get you this guy. And then like the week of the show, he's like, Oh my God, Gabriel's aunt died. And Gabriel or like someone like the tour or something, blah, blah, blah. He can't make it anymore. And uh, I'm so sorry. And let me see what I can do. It puts them into a panic about like, oh, this event that we've been planning for six months is now going to fall apart. And then there's like, uh, oh, I I have saved the day. You get a call like that. It's like I've got some other comics in that area. They can come and blah, blah, blah. They're great. Here's some videos of them. And they're like, oh, they're good. This is great. Whatever. And then but it was always just you. Yeah. It was always just you Jesus. coming. And then he'd only ever pro- you never talk to the company. You only ever talk to him, and so you don't ever know what he's paying, what he's getting paid. But like you're getting a hundred and fifty dollars, and a hundred fifty dollars. As I as I grew up and I did more in 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 comedy, it's like that is such a shit fee for corporate. Like a a corporate rate is like a thousand dollars for a half an hour. Like right. that's that's pretty easy to get in the corporate world if you're gonna do uh like that one gig that I bombed so hard at. That yeah. was I was I did an hour and I was supposed to get two grand. They never paid me my second uh grand. But you know, like two grand for an hour is pretty standard. And he had this guy he's just throwing out chump change for people. And uh like enough comics like complained, enough companies complained that then like this news story broke out and he was on you know, he was on the news and stuff. And then he just like switched the name of his company from like comedians USA to comedians nationwide or something yeah, like that and he like has a different it. name and he still has th- and he I still get emails from him and I'm performing for him tomorrow <laughs> night in Provo, Utah. I'm such a shit. I'm such a shit. It's $350 and it's for it's oh, I can't I said I wasn't gonna take it, and I did. I'm so fucking broke, so fucking broke, and I was like, "Oh fucking bullshit! Whatever, I'll do it." I thought I'd never take a corporate gig in Provo again, and not for three hundred and fifty dollars. But here I am. Here I. I did find out that I'm not performing for the sales reps, which, uh, big thumbs up. Even better, they're like, "The I'm going to make my act about how much I hate the sales rep because like this office." has to deal with this, like, I don't know what, they, they like, create the computer proposals or something for yeah. solar panels and then the sales reps are, like, all oh, these assholes who are, like, calling in and be like, all right get it done faster. And you are and, you know, sales people are just the fucking worst. Yeah. So, I'm just writing a whole bunch of jokes about, like, you know, what was it like to be popular in high school and get a 900 on the SATs? <laughs> <laughs> Robert. And I think they're going to love it, but you know, I have no, I have no morals. I guess not, not since I forsake, uh, forsook my God. <laughs> None. I the the only thing that's close to what you did was when I wanted to tape sad and needy my my divorced hour after I got divorced. I wanted to tape this thing, and it was. I don't think I and I and I worked on the jokes for a long time, and they were good. And I felt like we're at a point where it's, where it's still good, and I'm getting over the divorce. And I feel like I got to I want to tape these while it's still somewhat fresh, because like right. what w- made the jokes so cool. Was like I was on stage, like at like as the the news was breaking about the divorce, and I'm processing it in real time, and it was very raw and cool, and I liked that. And there was a part of me that felt like these jokes are getting worse every time I tell them, you know, because like the I got on stage uh, as you guys probably know the the night she left me, I went to an open mic and started doing this material, and it was awesome, and. God, I wish that
1: was on tape.
0: I know. I had it. I had, I told you before, but it was recorded. I had it saved on my phone, but then uh, my phone erased itself one day while I was on a a sad jog. Just my, I watch. I was listening to my (laughs) music, I was listening to my music, and then uh, the music stops. I pulled my phone out of my pocket, and it was just like, goodbye, (laughs) and it was just (laughs) shutting down. And I was like, what is this? And I, when it turned, it turned itself back on, and all my apps were gone. All the photos of Tabitha that I would look at were gone. All uh, oh, all this, wow. like everything was just gone, including the recording of that open mic, which would have been really fun to have forever. But I was like, this is probably a blessing. Sure. Anyway, I asked Keith, the owner of Wise Guys, like, hey, can I get a, a one night at your club? I want to record an album. And he was like, Sure. And then I talked to my friends about like, like I want to record it. Like what do I need? What should I get? And I had some friends who were into film and they were like, We would we would like to film it. And I was like, No way. And so I paid to for them to rent the cameras, but they got like good deals on renting the cameras from their friends. So it wasn't like that much, but I am glad I, I paid for it. I didn't, but like I it's but I didn't pay them for their time. I was like, I I rented the equipment But, like, their time was – I said, I want to give you points, right? I didn't call that. But I was like, I want to give you a percentage on whatever I make on this. And I figured I'll probably put it on iTunes, and I'll probably be selling up for, like, $5 a download and then give you guys a a percentage, you know? And they were like, that's cool with us. And I – Put work into advertising it. You know, I paid money for advertisements. I called every radio station in Salt Lake and got on the radio and different. St- I only ended up getting on two stations, but like, uh, you know, plugging it on the radio, we were running promos and stuff. And, uh, the, a lot of people came, it's a big club in Salt Lake and yeah. we filled it up pretty nice. And it was a lot of people came and the camera that they got was so nice. And we were there early and like setting it up. And I was just like really excited. And then the show went. It was okay or uh, good. You know, afterwards I was like real, I was in a really good mood. And then I was like so excited to watch the footage that we got. And then I went down to their, you know, offices in Provo to watch the footage of it. And I started watching it and I was like, oh, shit. Oh no. It's not good. This is not this is not even close to my best performance of these jokes and I am super 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 embarrassed to say it. I feel really really dumb still. I got too high. I was still like I don't know, like I was nervous and I wanted to get I wanted to get high before the show and at this point in time I was getting uh high for like every single show right. that I that I was doing. Or you know, having a drink or something, and I should now I now I know myself better. I know drugs and alcohol better. I should have just gotten a drink, and it would have done much better than weed. But whatever, at that point in time, I'm on this weed kick, and I feel like you know I like the way that I perform while I'm high and yada yada. But I got too high, and delivering my jokes just kind of dead, like not with the same intensity, energy whatever, I fucking hated it. And then I just quietly put it away and never talked about it again. And I hate it. I hate it. I wanted to release that. I wanted to have, and this, you and I have gotten poor lately. uh, Like we've talked about ways to make money. And I'm like, you know, I still have this file on my laptop. I could just, you know, like it's not that bad. I bet your standards are too high, man. Yeah. Just why don't you watch this and edit it? Like if there's jokes that you don't like, edit out that what if you only release half hour of it? Who cares? You could still sell for five dollars a download. Who cares? Put it out there, make some money off of it. Have something come from it. So then I opened up the file and I was like, Yeah, let's just watch it. I bet like now that time has passed, it's not that you're not gonna hate it as much. And I got like two minutes in and I was like, Fuck no, Watching yourself is the hardest thing. Do you want me to watch it for you? You are. You no, know, I can't have you watch it because you think it's great. Like, I need someone. <laughs> You're oh like, like, you have watched of your it. mom. I sent it to you after I first got it. And, uh, and you liked it a lot. And I was like, this woman's insane. <laughs> I knew that. Why did I send her this? So I do I but I do think that like having someone else uh, edit it might be the key. Like someone someone else uh watch this and edit it down. But like I, I don't know. I I'm torn between putting it out there. I see so many comics getting fans with shitty material. Yeah, they put out man. shit stuff and they're they have so many fans who are like, Oh hey, yeah, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen and I'm like, that's so bad. So why don't I just put out my bad stuff and have people uh, like me for it? But then I think I don't want to put out anything that embarrasses me. You know, I want. I want people to see my best stuff. You know, I want people to see something good. But then I we just did a, a show here in L.A. They uh, Thursday at the Zephyr show. Yep. Oh my God, did I, we, I had such a great set, such a good set. And he videotaped it. And I was like, you videotaped it. Oh my God, this is my dream come true is to like, not know about a videotape until after the set is over, you know? And I'm like, well, my set was so good. Let's, I can't wait to get a new video. I'm going to put this on my YouTube. I've got all these YouTube subscribers. I never upload videos. Here's a new video I'm going to put up. I think I made it like 30 seconds in. I hadn't even put my drink down yet. And I was like, "Why did I bring a drink on stage? What the fuck? This video <laughs> sucks." I wasn't I didn't have a good set. I was just drunk. <laughs> Which I was.
1: It well, it took a minute. It was like um I think your second punchline when the audience was like, "Fuck yeah," cuz you followed a very strong comedian. Yeah. And so you gotta you gotta watch past the second punchline.
0: I can't. It's so hard to watch myself.
1: Yeah, I get it.
0: There's just eight million things that you you're not just like. I think someone else was gonna watch that and be like, okay, these jokes are good. But you watch your own video and you're like, why does my hair look like that? Yep. Why does the oh, I hate the way the light's hitting my chin and it's making my I I feel like I have a much stronger chin than this. Why do I? Why did I wear these clothes? Oh yep. no. Oh, there's someone talking in the corner. You can hear someone talking in the. Oh no, this will never work. Oh no, oh That's why, I why no did I talk? Oh, I up. stepped on that laugh. Why did I step on the laugh? What's wrong with me? Da da da. You know. Yeah. Uh, I wonder. I'll have to watch Sad and Needy someday. Someday.
1: I don't think I watched the whole thing. I've seen a couple of clips from it.
0: What's it like being proud of something that you've created? I wonder. What does that feel like? I'm
1: pretty proud of this podcast.
0: I am proud of this podcast. I absolutely am pr- proud of this podcast. And my son. And that's it. Those are the <laughs> only two things that I've created that are worth any that are worth anything. Hmm. Anyway, uh, pre-order "Sad and Needy." <laughs> <laughs> well, I get a, if I get a hundred pre-orders, I'll release it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that sounds like a good number, right? Yeah. That's five hundred dollars. I'm, uh, I'm immediately charging more. I'm already like in my <laughs> head. I'm like, nah, five's not enough. Five's not enough. If I tease it this much, I'll make them want it more. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, you know, nah, I don't think I'll release it. Maybe it should be like $7 a person. I don't know. Whatever my rent is is what the, <laughs> is going to determine the download price. i like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what failure is for either. It seems like obvious that it's, oh, learning experience and don't get down and blah, blah, blah. But when you're in it, it just feels like you failed. I really kind of hate your uh, ability to just move forward. And I, uh, I'm i like, well, I don't know. Because I, I sit in it. I sit in it. And I'm like, fuck. Fuck.
1: I just feel like what if. So absolutely those things were just to teach me something. So that I could go on and do what I did but like if I had closed if I just decided that that it was over then I wouldn't have done this is not happening you know so I just think that all the time because I'm kind of in a phase right now of I wouldn't say failure right now but I'm kind of in a What is it that you want to do? Like I wanted to make TV shows and then I felt like when we were in the process of making, I still think we're going to make TV, but when we were in the process of pitching shows, I was looking around at the people and was like, oh, we are just like, we're trying to do this from the old version of it. We're just like one year behind the way that this shit gets done because i think the industry is changing quickly. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. So like it used to be you have to have a tv credit and then they gave a tv credit to everybody and now it's like you have to have a million followers and i was just like, oh, i just go get a giant fan base and then you have to make whatever i want. Like that is the that is the strategy. But i felt like with the tv, they have no idea what they're doing. They've no I- no idea. That was the vibe i got from both both pitch meetings that we did was like um they have no idea what they're doing. And I still think we're going to make TV. The problem with me is that I time is hard for me. So if something hasn't happened in a short period of time, it's hard for me to continue to want the same thing for a long time, because I'll just get distracted by something else, which is a little bit of what's happening to me right now. And I'm a little bit in like a fluid what is it that I want you know I knew I wanted to be famous when I was younger and then by the time it became an option I was like "Uh, I don't really like it I don't it doesn't do what it would have done for me when I was younger the uh, validation and stuff the validation just makes me nervous now it's like whoo, that's a lot of people to decide they don't like you I do like LA I think I don't know. I feel like I could do anything I want and I weirdly can't decide. And it's not even really from a place, I don't think, of like, what if it's the wrong thing? It's just a strange. I don't know what I want. I think it's, I'm like tr- trying to f- figure out what I want in the midst of all these feelings and and shit, so I do think the emotional work is the work
0: at the present no one moment. pays you for that work though there's no pay you can't if i if I could get paid for that god I'm really good at it i do i'm that's I'm an excellent employee when it comes to doing the work you the could work absolutely
1: work, become a YouTube star talking about your feelings but you don't want to. How is then? The, yeah,
0: I don't. I don't like that idea at all. It's very uncomfortable. You know
1: who they're given everything in comedy to. Uh,
0: <laughs> Phoebe Waller Bridge. <laughs> uh, the the one thing that I learned from Sad and Needy: never, ever, ever tape just once. You gotta take like, don't ever do an album recording one time. Yeah. You always got to do multiple nights. Yeah. I wish that I wasn't nervous. I wish that I wasn't anxious. I try all the things to try to like act like I'm not, you know, I try all the stuff like don't be nervous. Don't that whole week, you know, I worked on not uh, like I'm going to have that whole day to be in a perfect psychological space ready to record. And I still wasn't. But if we had recorded immediately after, we had a second show or yep. even just the next night had a second show it'd been golden
1: that's a very good point
0: but i did it i was like yeah I'm just gonna do this in one shot and i thought that that would be i thought that i would be prepared enough that i was like yeah i, I mean i do this every weekend because i was performing a lot back then i was i had really honed it sharp in my uh craft yeah, i was very good and uh then i still blew it when it came to Think of a second though. to Think about how much better this is not happening is now that they did try to diversify. Like when you think early, this is not happening is just white bros. Yeah. Yep, white bros being like, and then I did this drug, and it's uh it's, it's a lot better now. Yeah,
1: he said in that thing. Hooray for diversity. He said in that thing that, like, you know, I'll still watch tapes of white dudes, but, like, we have enough. Uh, It was a lack of submissions. Mm. And they wanted, he wanted to find people that nobody had ever heard of, so.
0: Start looking in Delaware, man. That's the spot.
1: Delaware's hiding the heat. Anyway, this is to announce that I'm starting a YouTube channel.
0: I was just thinking to say, I was going to be like, Justin wants to make us uh, YouTube stars.
1: <laughs> this is the future, yeah. is making your own shit, which is, I was born for this future, because my dream is to not have a boss. I came to LA and it's like, oh, well, you could like make 10 grand a month or something being a writer on a show, but it's like a 9-to-5 job. i Would rather not. I would rather never have a boss so long as I live. I don't want to answer to anybody. So I'm like, oh, okay, but I could go on YouTube. I could become YouTube famous. So where then they just hand me shit like they're doing like they're 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 giving the comedy clubs to YouTube stars to work for the weekend. You could get a TV deal better because they now they want you not only they want you to come with your own fan base. And that's where you find your fan base. Besides the fact that I think the Ascension is taking place on the Internet, like everything is on the Internet and you can write your own ticket. It's like we already opened that door a little bit with podcasting. I think that we should now do it. I don't know if you've ever watched YouTube stars, but a lot of them are garbage. Like the bar is set somewhat low. So, I've just spent the last, I don't know, since the breakup, just obsessed with this idea of being YouTube stars and just researching it and watching a bunch of different kinds and figuring out what area. But the area that we belong in is mental health and for me, spirituality. But we bring something to the mental health conversation, which is we're hilarious and candid and honest about our own experiences. And there's a gigantic market for that. This is like what people want. That's why I wanted wanted to move the podcast to the mental health subcategory where we would be, you know, top 50. And I think we could have a badass YouTube channel where we talk about this stuff. And then YouTube would blow up way harder than podcasts. And then we could tour on that shit. And do our own kind of special shows, and then once we have all kinds of heat behind that, then Netflix is like, "Y'all want a special like Brene Brown? Boom!" Created our own path, our own thing, because comedy is basically Brene Brown wrote now. books
0: and stuff, right? She's not a YouTube star.
1: Uh, she probably wrote books, but her like most people know who she is because of her presence on social media. I on, feel like is she a YouTuber? Is she a yeah, like people share her videos all the time. She's not like a YouTuber, like sitting in front of a fireplace making a video. But she has several like viral videos about vulnerability and stuff, and she's funny. But we are like f- very funny comedians. We would be insanely funny. I can't need a different word for motivational speaker, but like people who talk about something deeper than just you know. Um pick a subject and talk about it. Like, write a uh, two-person show about intimacy and, like, all of our funny relationship stories and our journey. And it's from both perspectives and it's inspirational and people leave there feeling like their marriage is going to be fixed because now they've heard someone talk from their husband's perspective or uh, a one that's written about leaving Mormonism and leaving meth. Like there's, and it, and then this is the shit that like sells out convention centers and, you know, and then it's made into a series of uh short, easy, easy to consume social media videos. And we hire a publicist that helps get those put out and we blow the fuck up while comedy is just like in a like a bunch of a civil fucking war <laughs> fucking jerking each other off or fucking fist fighting each other. And it's like. Uh, now we have something that's real, it's substantial, it leads to book deals, it leads to TV shows, it leads to all this stuff. So it was like a brand that we built that was our own thing from the ground up. And we don't have a fucking boss. Like nobody tells us what to do. Like it's very uh, it's very obvious okay. to
0: me. I know a guy who might be able to help. His name is Rob.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh A chipmunk I know recommended him. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, it really helped him take his TikTok off to the (laughs) next level. Uh, All right, well, uh, now our business plan is out there for the whole world (laughs) to see. But uh, I think it's time for us to go. But I guess catch us next time on our YouTube channel. (laughs) Mormon and the Methhead.
1: If you put a
0: Mormon and a Methhead together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all let just a read our friends listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon and the Methhead, Mormon and the Methhead, Mormon and the Methhead. Scarpings Avenue, a podcast. a podcast network.